1: Athletic.
2: Hello and welcome back to Pod on the Time, the practically perfect popular peppery pearl of a podcast all about Newcastle United, brought to you by The Athletic. I'm Taylor Payne and joining me. For this episode is Mr. Chris Wolf. Hello, Chris. It
0: was a lot of peas and he did actually that He did that remarkably well. We didn't trip up at all.
2: Yeah, see. Had a good hour and a half practising that before we came online. I
1: thought we were gonna be here for two hours while you spat that out. That was that's <laughs> a very early little hurdle left for you there by Ollie, our producer, wasn't it? Cheeky, cheeky devil that he is.
2: The pronunciation wars are in full, full yeah. flight now, aren't they? That's it. It's started now. He's put down a marga How are we doing, George? you all
1: right? you okay? No, I'm absolutely not all right. It's, it's it's end of January. This has been an absolute hate transfer windows. I'm sure we've said that before. This has been up there with the worst, not because there's a lot happening, but because there's a lot not happening. But it's a lot happening not happening in lots of phone calls, which are definitely happening. It's very stressful. I'm just looking at Chris's poor, tired, exhausted face um, on our call here, he looks like he's aged about twenty years, and considering he was born at the age of sixty, um, the reverse Benjamin Button. He's he's not looking good, poor lad. Are you all right, Chris? Is is it taking its toll?
0: It has taken its toll. I mean, speaking to George on a reg- even more regular basis than I have to as well. That that, that compounds matters even further. So, oh. uh, so yeah.
1: before we came on, we were talking about a piece I'm possibly gonna write and he's confused me so much with what he said I had to give him a severe dressing down. I had to remind him which side his bread's buttered on and I said, you know, that the there the, are the, the Chris Woff roller coaster, there are peaks of trough and I've said, look, Chris, in in our time together I've built you up and I've knocked you down. You're very much at a knock you down stage this week. He's getting uppity and angry and it's not appealing. It's not an appealing characteristic, Chris. Raise your game
2: there we go Chris Wolf given a severe dressing gown there by George apparently that sounds <laughs> sounds incredible uh, right then I eat not Uh, let's crack on, chaps, shall we? Lots to talk about. Uh, this past week's been a bit of a roller coaster of emotions if you're a Newcastle fan. Uh, some of our most important and popular players have been lined up in the sights of a number of massive European clubs, but it feels like the Magpies might have weathered the storm. Uh, Bayern Munich have given up on Kieran Trippier, or have they, Chris Woff? We've been hurt before, haven't we?
0: Well, I mean, the message from the Bayern Munich end is very much that they have given up on Kieran Trippier now. I mean, as we mentioned on the podcast the other day, and as we wrote over the weekend on The Athletic, Newcastle were adamant that Kieran Trippier is categorically not for sale. That's been the message from the very top of Newcastle United. But Bayern Munich then tested Newcastle's resolve on that. They'd made a loan... Uh, with an obligation to buy offer, they'd made a loan offer, they'd made uh, an early offer, I think, of about something like €8 million. Euros. Then they came back with an offer of around about €15 million, Euros, which is roughly £12.8 million, pounds, which Newcastle rejected on Tuesday. And sort of the information that we were getting from from Rafa Honigstein, who, who covers German football for the Athletic for us on Tuesday night, was that's, that's going to be buy and done. But there were reports overnight going Tuesday into Wednesday that... Bayern could return with another offer. but There were were suggestions that Thomas Tuchel was going to demand that, but there were also suggestions that given that Bayern Munich had lost last weekend to Werder Bremen, that Thomas Tuchel could be sacked. So it was a a very confusing sort of situation trying to find all the information there. But then, basically, the information that Rafa Honigstein had fed to us turned out, certainly from the public uh, pronouncements from Bayern Munich, to be true. So last night, that's Wednesday night, Christoph Freund, who's the Bayern Sporting Director, said that's over, we only do what we are 100% convinced of, that's what we've always said all parameters have to fit for for the player, for us, and for the selling club, and that wasn't the case. The Trippier topic is over.
2: Interesting. And George, you've been writing about this transfer, haven't you? Which pretty much sums up Newcastle's January thorny war uh, of a transfer window.
1: Well, I wish I wish I could put it into the past tense, but no. I'm I'm, I'm about to write on the on the Kieran Trippier transfer. Yeah, I mean, I think a few things to to mention. Firstly, there's a human being involved um in this as there are with all sorts of transfers i think we sort of forget about that sometimes it you know it feels a bit like a sort of a game of chess or whatever and you know clubs moving pawns around the the chessboard and we have to sort of remember that, but I, d- I do think there have been some very important moments when it comes to transfers and Newcastle post-takeover. There was bringing in Trippier in the first place, they, the fact that they showed they could go and get an established England international um, from a big club and sign him at a time when Newcastle were in a relegation battle. There was signing people like Bruno and Sven Botman, really good promising players under the noses of big clubs that was signing Sandro Tonali this summer, you know, going to a massive club and getting their, arguably their biggest player. And then I think there's also been a big moment in this window where they've shown that they can rebuff offers for, uh, certainly in Trippier's case, arguably their most influential player and i think that's really important the one thing they haven't done as we've talked about before is they haven't sold the right player at the right time for the right price to to kind of begin the next step of uh, their progress but trippier was not that player as Chris mentioned, the, the attitude at Newcastle has been very strong from the start. He's going nowhere. They don't want him to go. They've talked to him. Relationships amongst senior players and senior management at the club, very tight, very close. And he's just seen as too important to lose. And that's an important moment. So fingers crossed he's here to stay. Fingers crossed he's okay about it. Everything we've heard is that Um, You know, he's been totally professional, as you would expect. But I think that's, uh, yeah, it feels like a big moment in a a positive way. But it's just that all the stuff around it feels negative because it's just constant phone calls. You know, you feel like you've got somewhere with something like this, then more rumours come out of Germany. But anyway, as things stand, it feels positive.
2: Okay, and uh, the Miguel Almiron transfer story, Chris, let's go back to you on this one, your favourite subject. Uh, Al-Shabaab were interested in him last week. It did develop a little bit, didn't it? But it also seems to have petered out since then with uh, talk from Paraguay saying that he doesn't really fancy the move.
0: Yeah, at the moment that one seems to be on ace as well, but they're still going to. after we record this podcast, still a week left in the window, so we'll wait and see what happens. But essentially, Newcastle have held discussions with, my understanding is multiple Saudi Arabian clubs but Al-Shabaab seem to have shown the greatest interest have made some sort of an offer I don't know if it was actually an official offer or just a verbal offer or exactly what it was and it wasn't to the level that Newcastle would necessarily want I think they're looking ideally for between 25 to 30 million pounds seemingly there is a, prof- a percentage clause, sell-on clause in the contract for the for the profit that Newcastle would make that they'd have to pay Atlanta United so that has to be factored into this as well But I think the main motivation would basically be, does that free up the possibility that Newcastle could do incoming business this this month? That's the main reason I've written about this. I've gone through the sort of pros and cons of of why Newcastle would consider selling Miguel and why they would keep him. The bare facts of the matter are that... Eddie Howe doesn't have any of their players ready to play it right as things stand Harvey Barnes and theory should be back soon Joe Willock should be back soon even if he plays in a slightly different position but as things stand Miguel Almiron is going to start against Fulham on Saturday and against Aston Villa on Tuesday he started most of the matches this season appeared in just about every single one of them he's been a very important part of the side under Eddie Howe and yes his figures aren't the same in terms of goal scoring and assists as they were last season but he's still been vital to the way Newcastle have been playing but At the same time, you look at his age, he's 29, he's going to be 30 later this season. He signed a contract last year, which takes his deal through to 2026. So there is, in theory, a decent value there. Maybe he's not as much as there was last summer, but decent value there. And that's why I think Newcastle have at least considered the possibility of selling him. It seems to have got to the stage where the story leaked, I think, before Newcastle would ideally have liked it too, because what quite often happens with a lot of these transfer discussions are quite often, none of us will ever hear that these discussions have ever taken place, because they're very preliminary talks, not that necessarily Newcastle were thinking, we will definitely sell Miguel Almiron whoever, someone from one side or another has, approached, whether Newcastle approached them, or whether the Saudi clubs approached Newcastle, I think it was more that side, they seemed to get a lot of approaches quite regularly, quite often dismissed, and seemingly these talks leaked before the Almiron camp was fully informed as to exa- exactly the stage. As to where they are. The soundings seem to be from the Elmeron camp that he's not keen on going to Saudi Arabia, at least not mid season at, at this stage, and that therefore he would be keen to stay. And Newcastle certainly, as things stand, are looking to push him out. So it does look like that's on ice, but I also think that we have to understand that of all of the players who Newcastle are looking to potentially sell to, if they want to unlock potential incomings Miguel Almiron seems to be the one who hits a sort of sweet spot of nobody's ideal to sell but if we could sell someone to bring someone in he's the one we could possibly get decent value for and then maybe would be able to actually fill in that gap even if really they ideally would not let him go mid-season certainly Eddie Howe wouldn't like to in an ideal world.
2: The Callum Wilson situation, George, that's an interesting one as well. That was mentioned earlier on in the window with Atletico Madrid and then also with AC Milan getting involved. But similar to Miguel Almiron, these players are just too important at the minute to Newcastle with the state the squad's in. To be let go, aren't they?
1: Yeah, Wilson's a very, a very interesting sort of one and very interesting situation. Both of those clubs you mentioned, um, there has been interest, but it, it, it very quickly petered out. And you know, someone at the top of the club that I spoke to talked about them getting shitty offers for for players. <laughs> and in in the case of Wilson, it doesn't seem to have been. Uh, hugely strong. When I say it's an interesting situation, he has 18 months left on his contract or thereabouts, so it's a delicate time uh, for him. And you know what happens next. So you know, I think that's worth remembering at this point. But Newcastle, if they were going to get rid of Wilson in this window, you know they've they've just got they've got no options up front. Um, aside from Alexander Isak Wilson's not even in the team at the minute not even in the squad at the moment because of uh, fitness problems they just could not afford to do that I mean so I'm not sure that's quite quite the same as the Trippier situation except he is a senior player very very important part of the squad important part of the leadership group at at Newcastle and they just could not afford to let him go as I say unless they reinvested on a forward on a striker, and this is a notoriously uh, difficult month to do that. So that was played down very, very quickly.
2: And Chris, Jamal is another one who's been generating a few whispers. Has any potential interest from Besiktas in Turkey? Uh, and he's out of contract at the end of the season. Perhaps a January move uh, wouldn't be worth the extra hassle for him.
0: No, I mean Lascelles again is someone who was repeatedly linked with exits. He was with with Turkey and, and and with Besiktas last summer as well, and and there was certainly again I don't know how far the talks ever developed, but there was some sort of talks at, at some stage with Besiktas, and I think Newcastle thought last summer that that their time was almost wasted a little bit. I mean Lascelles. Why the why La in Turkey? Why that link is is there? I don't necessarily know. I don't know why he's wanting
2: a hair transplant, Chris, and he wants his teeth done. That's what it is.
0: Could well be the case. I mean, that can't be anything else. He must have seen those advertisements go around St. James's <laughs> Park from that uh, doctor. I don't know what he's called, the doctor, whatever Dr. he is. A cynic, cynic. That's it. Have you have you looked into it? Have you? I have. Yes. I mean, obviously,
2: looking at my hair, I'm I'm going thin, aren't I? Look at this. <laughs> I'm ready for a uh, for a transplant.
0: But the La situation. I mean, this contract. I'm not sure if there's a, there's a there's been suggestions to me that there may also be a clause that, that could be extended further that right. isn't necessarily up this summer. But as things stand, it, it, he is out of contract in the summer. Whether there is the option to take that up, whether that's a mutual option, I don't know. And also, I mean, Newcastle, as of a couple of weeks ago, Eddie Howe was asked about Jamal Cells, and he, he said, I still see him having a long-term future at the club. If you consider... How well he performed when he came into the side this year, I think that he exceeded a lot of expectations in terms of being able to to slot in and play. He's adapted his game slightly, he's improved it, and Newcastle don't have many centre-back options either. I mean, as I mentioned on the podcast the other day, Fabian share may turn out to be an emergency option as a, as a number six as well, and if that's the case, then Jamal Lasalle would come into the team to partner Sven Botman almost certainly or they'd have to move Dan Byrne into centre-back and play Lewis Hall or wait for Matt Target to come back. So really, again, they don't have... Although they have more defenders than they have forwards at the minute, and attackers, they still don't have loads of options. He also... Jamal Asells remains club captain as well. He's been... how has... Made it clear how highly he rates everything that the Cells brings and has brought and that culture that's there. So I think that it would have to be an enticing offer for both the Cells and Newcastle to consider that mid season. Otherwise, it seems like a bit of a curious one. I don't think they're going to benefit massively financially from it and they would also leave themselves potentially short at centre back right now.
1: Chris is spot on. It's not just the effect that these potential transfers would have. On the positions concerned it also then means you know it's it's then the knock-on effect for other positions so it was only the the man city game that eddie howe was considering bringing jamal lascelles on and pushing fabian Cher into midfield i mean and so if you take out a center half from this squad a very very thin squad what do you then do what are the knock-on effects for a the rest of the season but also for other positions i think that's you know that's that's an important point it's the same with wilson you take out wilson from this squad albeit he's injured at the minute what does that then mean for anthony gordon for example who's been one of newcastle's most effective players if not the most effective player you know for exa- so they have to be very careful about what they do it doesn't you know on the one hand you can see why jamal lascells would want regular football, you know, might want to extend the contract and that side of things, but it doesn't make a lot of sense from Newcastle's perspective at the minute without a replacement being there.
0: Just to make clear, I mean, there's there's a lot of, as, as we've said, that it, it's felt very, very busy in terms of from a journalistic point of view and from a fan point of view over the course of the last week. I would compare it to the January 2022 window in terms of, at least for this small period of the last week, in terms of busyness, even if the only thing that's happened is Javier Mancillo has left and nobody else has actually come in or gone. But there are people at the club who are keen to get out the message that there's no fire sale happening at Newcastle United. Yes, they have PSR issues, and they are going to have to sell someone at some stage. And if they want to do significant business this month, they're almost certainly going to have to move someone on this month as well. But I think a lot of the the rumours and the links that have come out, it's partly to do with the market test in Newcastle, to see where they can buy in Munich or seeing how far they could push. Could they take Q and Trippier? What would Newcastle fold out essentially what what would they accept the value for. But I also think that Newcastle have to a degree brought this on themselves, not in terms of, I don't mean that in so much of a negative, but they've they've almost gone to the market and they've sort of said Look, we have this sort of PSR situation. They hadn't had an offer for a player as of three weeks ago, so that if they wanted to sell someone, they had no idea who was of any interest to anyone or what value they'd be of interest for. So almost trying to test the market, see what's there, see what offers may potentially come in, and then rather than necessarily accept them all or consider them, at least know what the value is, and then if something comes up which is which they then look at and think right well if we sell player x maybe we can do y we can move things around it's not that they're necessarily going to do all of these things and accept all these offers but it's at least to know what is out there and to understand more the market and the actual saleable assets they have
1: two slightly bigger picture points firstly nobody is doing business this month i mean it's pretty remarkable so there's been a lot of rumour and there's been a lot of uh, gossip, but there's been very, very little actually happening. So Newcastle aren't kind of alone in that. Secondly, Newcastle one of Newcastle's strengths in the windows that they've had post-takeover has been opportunism. So, you know, Anthony Gordon a year ago. The idea behind that was to bring something forward because they thought they could do him then, taking advantage of the fact that Everton needed money, so they did that. And that's been something that they've been proud of, the way they've been able to operate, move quickly. People are trying now to be opportunistic with Newcastle, so I mean it's not something that, that uh, that's there to be complained about, it's just the way things are. So you've got a lot of clubs doing a lot of phone calls and not actually getting very far. Um, I mean, it's been incredibly frustrating. And as Chris says, you f- you feel like you kind of get somewhere. Say, for example, the Kieran Trippier thing. It's like, you know, you're being told pretty definitively that he's not going to be sold, that he's not for sale, and that's the way things are. An hour later, two hours later, there are then more rumours about Bayern Munich. And so you're having to check check out the same thing repeatedly. Not that I'm asking for people to start playing violins of sympathy, but it's it's very frustrating and um, it's quite sort of stressful. Absolutely
2: it is. Uh, right then, well, for all the fun and games that we've had in the last fortnight, though, Newcastle have agreed a deal for a player, and it came completely out of the blue. Uh, more on that after a quick break. So, lots of chat about outgoings this week, but not so much about incomings. However, Morgan Gibbs-White has been mooted as a replacement should miggy Almiron leave, Chris. Uh, he can play as an
0: eight and as a wide forward as well. So, yeah, Newcastle, despite having not done any incoming business yet on a senior level, and despite the fact the PSI issues that they have, they have been working hard to see if there is anything that they can do, and certainly Eddie Howe is pushing for reinforcements, and I use the S in brackets at the end of that because it's probably likely to be one if they get one. But you would you would ideally like more players than that. And if if Almiron was to leave or someone else was to leave and they could free up a little bit of space, then that might mean that they can go after one of the the long term targets that they have. Someone they really like is Morgan Gibbs White in Nottingham Forest. Obviously played very well at St James's Park on Boxing E-Ban Day. Ivan
2: rings round our midfield at St James's. Park. He
0: certainly did. Now he's interesting because he he sort of plays he is is. I think he would suggest that his best position is as a number 10. So if he was to come in, then Newcastle may have to change the way that they play. But also I think Newcastle see him as being a potentially a number 8. And almost as they see... They saw James Madison as being able to play that role. And also he can play sort of out wide. You could adapt your style to a certain extent. But also he could sort of fit into the system that they've got. They really like him, as a, as a lot of clubs do uh, around England. And then, I mean, we mentioned Amadou and Arna at, at Everton the other day. These are, these are sort of long-term targets. but New- And also... Kefran Turam at Nice, Uh, you have, we mentioned Edison at Atlanta uh, the other day in in, in Italy. These are a lot of players Newcastle have looked at sort of long-term, and it's not necessarily that these are definitely the players that they would try and bring in at this stage, but they are players who've been discussed up to this point, and so it would be a very, very difficult deal and expensive deal, I think, to try and bring Morgan Gibbs-White in from Nottingham Forest, albeit Nottingham Forest have PSR issues of their own, have obviously been charged by the Premier League, and they look to be bringing in uh, Reina from uh, from Borussia Dortmund. It seems uh, Gio Reina. So so whether that's because they anticipate someone leaving, we will wait and see. But that, that, that Gibbs White is is certainly a very special player, and I can uh, I can say that Newcastle definitely we do have interest in him. But whether that's one for this window, I think with a week left in the window, I, I, things would have to move very very quickly if they were to get that one done.
1: Just on kind of related subject, we should just. Um... Confirm that post our first part of the week, Newcastle have confirmed that uh, Joe Linton has. See what I did there? Tried to try to be a bit better there. Juel Linton, Joe Linton. Joe Linton! Ha, has now had his surgery, had his thigh surgery, and has started his re- rehab. Now, the club's official statement about that is quite interesting because it raises the possibility of him being back in May. Obviously, Newcastle have have a few matches in May, and of course, there's the
2: back for the cup final. The FA,
1: we've just literally just fucking <laughs> shat all over my uh, punchline, Aww. which was to say that. The, so I'll just I'll just pretend you've not done Do that again. and say, of course, there is the FA. No, no, there is of course the FA Cup final to be played. So that's good news. Um, I'll just pretend that didn't happen. And the other thing is that one of the one of the biggest sort of transferred non-story sagas of the past few months, Calvin Phillips is now on his way to West Ham on loan from Manchester City. There, they're obviously prepared to pay the lo- the loan fee that's been agreed. It hasn't been confirmed at the time of speaking, but isn't too far away. We hear.
0: And just on the Joe Linton front, uh, it seems that what he's going to do over the course of the next four months, as well as try and get himself back. For those big games at the end of the season, is he, he? There's been another Adidas advert released with him and Alexander Isak, so I assume that Adidas are just going to pump him for as much as they possibly can to get him. Given how well we think he's done, he's done in terms of his acting so far.
2: Yeah, his acting was pretty good in that in that advert. I thought the one where he uh, says, "Enjoy your, have a nice goal." That one, I I enjoyed that so a lot. In, in, in the
0: latest one, the guy a guy comes up asking for size tens, and Isak rings through to Joe Linton, who's in the stock room, I believe. And 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 so yeah.
2: There's some speculation that Nottingham Forest might be uh, one of the clubs we could do a bit of business with though Chris because they are still paying for Chris Wood, Naldo and John Joel Shelby aren't they?
0: They are indeed so that that was the business that Newcastle did last January which helped them out uh, at at that point and helped them finance the the Anthony Gordon deal and also was was opportunistic in the sense of selling at the right time when really going into that window Eddie Howe didn't want to lose either of them and, and could have done with them at certain points, certainly Chris Wood just for that Player who who you can almost guarantee is going to be fit every week, but uh, Daniel Taylor, our colleague, wrote a piece a couple of weeks ago on the Athletic, looking at Nottingham Forest situation, basically why they ended up breaching PSR rules, and one of the reasons was that seemingly that they paid so much money for for Chris Wood and John Joe Shelby and that Newcastle executives. were were shocked in the meetings when they were the, the fees suggested were actually proposed by Nottingham Forest and that's one of the reasons why they moved and thought we have to we have to do these deals now because financially we're just not going to get a better offer for these players when come the summer they probably would have moved on for a heck of a lot less than they actually did when they moved to Nottingham Forest.
2: And yet we have agreed a deal. Uh, it's a box-to-box number eight. 18-year-old midfielder Alfie Harrison looks to be on the way to Newcastle from Manchester City. Uh, one for the four the chess brigade this one nobody had any england that this was going on george did they no and
1: there was, there were kind of parallel budgets at newcastle this first team and academy level and you know there, there's huge work being done at the academy under steve harper there was a bit of this in alan shearer's interview with him over over christmas which if you've not had a read read of please do um and there is a lot of uh, emphasis being put on academy recruitment as well and this is Uh, Paul Midgley's job he actually joined from Manchester City uh, a couple of years ago head of youth recruitment and yeah it's it's an it's a vital part of the uh, of the setup at the academy it's not just about bringing through young players who are already in the region and already on the club's books and making sure that they have the best Uh, set up possible for them it's also about being able to sign players and this is seen as a bit of a coup everybody's been focused on the first team so this did come out of nowhere a little bit but yeah very exciting so hopefully we'll see a lot more of this in in the coming months and years you know Newcastle have to produce their own players not only for their team but also to be able to sell and you know to give these kids a future in the game but this is really important. City do this brilliantly. Chelsea do this brilliantly. They produce players. They attract highly talented young players and either give them a chance to the first team or or or, or move them on for money. And it's the way things have to happen in this day and age. Uh,
2: apparently, uh, Alfie Harrison was offered a route to the first team. Uh, might we see him on the pitch this season?
0: Well, so it was it was David Ornstein, our colleague, who, who broke this story, and that that is part of part of the information that, that he has, and 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 I think that although he isn't coming in as a first team signing per se, and and we we're still looking into this and in exactly where he would fit into that necessarily. Eddie Howe has been looking at Newcastle's youth setup to see who might be. Able to to basically populate the bench as you've seen over the course of the last few months. I mean, against Chelsea in December, uh, November, I think it was. For example, he gave four debut, three or four debuts off the bench for for the under twenty ones because of the lack of players that he has. And and there's certain players he, he rates within that. Ahmed Diallo is someone he really likes, the the, the wide forward. Um, he's been in and around the squad. Obviously, he's given game time to others. Uh, ben Parkinson. You've had Alex Murphy on the bench as well. So I think that depending on the injury situation going forward, if if it works out as Newcastle and how how would like it to, and players return, then I think that Alfie Harrison will probably be integrated over time and maybe going forward to be in the first team. Because ideally, Lewis Miley wouldn't be getting the minutes that he is right now. Although he's done very, very well coming into the team, Newcastle recognise that really from, from... the, the, the way that they want to develop Lewis Miley is he wouldn't be starting every single week every single game as it was three games a week as it was throughout December but they don't have the options so if Joe Willock comes back if um, Harvey Barnes come back and if, if they're fit and available and Elliot and Anderson I think that the likelihood is that he's probably not going. not going to see too much of him between now and the end of the season but I wouldn't completely write it out. Chris
1: did you say injury situation there?
0: i think i did yes yeah
1: you did i mean which is exactly it is absolutely i mean that's what it is isn't it well done yeah Friday. yeah well done you it has been an absolute injury situation
2: it really has absolutely maybe you
1: have to say that in the style of rude hood i'm not sure injury situation or do you know no sean connery or steve mclaren steve mclaren (laughs) (laughs) McLaren, yeah anyway sean Sean connery that's that's how we have to refer to it from now on the injury situation
2: Absolutely. Right then, uh, sign up at theathletic.com forward slash Newcastlepod and pay just £1.99 a month for your first 12 months. Time for a cheeky break. Back in a moment. Right then, Christopher Woff. Saturday, 7pm, South West London, Newcastle United will be taking on Fulham in the FA Cup. Fulham did all right against Liverpool on Wednesday
0: night, didn't they? They did, but they ended up eventually. They did go out of the uh, Carabao Cup at the semi-final stage. Uh, to when Liverpool will face Chelsea, which will certainly pain Newcastle United fans out there who are listening, because Newcastle United fans will feel that they should have been in that two-legged semi-final against Middlesbrough, and then that they should now be in the final at yeah. Wembley. For I want to get kind of beat role. off
2: Liverpool in the final, not <laughs> Chelsea. <laughs>
0: But yeah, so the fact that Fulham played well and just missed out, I'm not sure whether that's a positive or a negative for Newcastle going into this one. I think that the the fact that they missed out on the final, there probably will be an emotional hangover going into this, but also at the same time, now that Fulham don't have a final to look forward to, they may switch focus to the FA Cup, so I think it's a double-edged sword there for Newcastle. But the fact that Newcastle haven't played and have had a lot more rest up time, yeah. hopefully that will benefit them going into Saturday. Whereas Fulham have had these two uh, extremely difficult legs, playing Liverpool twice in this semi-final.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's just the the thing that we have to cling cling to, isn't it? I mean, I don't think there's, I don't think that's a result that does Newcastle any harm. Fulham have been pushing until late on, yeah, they've done they've they've played pretty well in that match, but Newcastle have had what they've craved for a long time, which is A, a bit of a break, and then B some time on the training pitch. So there's no excuses there for them, is it? It's set up for them. Fulham have not had a have not had a free week. Um they should have a bit of that in their legs and so you would hope and expect Newcastle to, to set set about them.
2: Yeah, only two games and almost four weeks now, Chris. It's been a bit of a godsend, really, hasn't it? But might we be a bit rusty? You never know. I mean, we're never happy, are we? It's either too many games or it's not enough.
0: I think that Newcastle have to look at it from the point of view of the opposite. I mean, Eddie Howe himself certainly has almost built up to this period that when Newcastle get to be back on the training ground, he believes that he will extract improvements from them. Now, not only is this closer now to players potentially returning, there's been longer... Gap for for some of them and Callum Wilson could be back this weekend or next Tuesday. Uh, Harvey Barnes shouldn't be too far away. Joe Willock should be in the next few weeks as well. And then hopefully that, that means that Newcastle can strengthen that regard. Last week, the players had a good few days off. And Eddie Howe spoke about the fact that they needed that mental rest as much as anything else because it not only have they had so many games, they also haven't had time to spend with their families. It's always been about football or recovery or another match, and that's what they've had for the first sort of half of the season, really. So I think a they'll be mentally refreshed in some ways, but b they've then had this full week. They were back from Saturday, focusing on this game this weekend and trying to really extract those those minute improvements on the training ground i think how and his coaching staff have have been concerned that because they haven't been on the training field as much that what makes the system work so well the way that the press all works together the way that they defend in certain situations they haven't actually been working on those situations and over time those relationships and that understanding sort of erodes away a little bit their hope Hopefully we will see some improvement in that regard and so I think you can only see it as a positive
1: yeah psychologically everybody needed a needed a rest everybody needed a break. we've talked a lot about the differences at Newcastle from the start of the season to now but some of them you know some of them are self-evident you've got players who are staying on the pitch for ninety minutes instead of sixty or seventy minutes they haven't got. Hungry, angry players coming on to to replace them. So at the start of the season, you had players coming off angry because they didn't want to be subbed. You've got players coming on angry, looking to prove a point, wanting to make an impact, and talking about players like Miggy a bit earlier. Same for Anthony Gordon. These players know that they're going to start more or less. I know Miggy came out came out for a bit not too long ago, and so there's been that lack of competition. So that has fundamentally altered the way that Newcastle are playing games what they've needed to make the most of what they have which is a good first 11 but very very little behind it they need fresh brains they need fresh bodies and they need fresh brains because they're not going to be able to change a game from the bench so it's up to the first team to do it and this is this is the best you can you can hope for in this circumstance is to have a break not have a game for a while and come into this match with hopefully renewed vigour, renewed physicality and, yeah, a, a bit of freshness and time on the training pitch. It's That's all there is. You know, that's all, that's all there is. So they have to make the most of it.
2: I think it will be interesting to go back through some of our episodes and see how many times we've said... Yeah, Harvey Barnes isn't too far away. Joe Willock is uh, near in full fitness. And Callum Wilson should be back for the weekend. I feel like we've said that sentence like a million times this year. But it just feels like a constant merry-go-round of that, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, but think about how Eddie Howe feels about it as well. well he thinks course, that these yeah. players are going to keep coming back and then, then he just keeps getting negative news, sort of, on the injury front. I mean, the the Barnes and the Willock situation have been very frustrating internally. I mean, they made the decision, certainly with Barnes, not to to operate, and just at the point where they thought that he was going to come back, he then broke down again, and that was sort of, he he basically being doing rehab, and the rehab, I think, was actually more intense than the first group session he did when he came back, but for whatever reason, when he then went into the group session, he sort of had a a little setback at the start of December, and and Sony Castle are a bit apprehensive about how the two of them will come back and return because basically, if Harvey Barnes breaks down again, he will almost certainly require surgery, which could rule him out. I don't know for the for the rest of the season. I don't know the exact time frame on that. So let's hope that that isn't the case. But yes, it's been a very very complicated situation for
1: both yes, of them. It reduce. needs to be managed
2: very carefully, doesn't it? Uh, we've also got to say good luck to the lasses that filed on Sunday as well. A great opportunity to get back to winning ways, George.
1: Yeah. So this is the League Cup. It's an away match. Hopefully. They've had a good week on the training pitch, as I have said, I was was uh, around a lot last week uh, for a piece that that I'll be uh, writing and also will feature here on the on the pod um, at some point. It's a very unusual situation for them. They've lost two games in a row. The first one at Man United in the FA Cup was something they took a lot of positivity from, at least it felt like they did, and then they had that uh, last gasp uh, heartbreak. At the, at the weekend against Nottingham Forest, which was really, really disappointing. And I think having, you know, taken control of that game at the start and then losing it the way they did was really disappointing. It'll be fascinating to see how they how they respond at filed. Everything, you know, they did, it, it seems counterintuitive to think about it now, but they did actually, you know, have the odd poor result last season and they, every time they responded. So you would expect them to do so, hope they do, and... um yeah, good luck to them at the filed.
2: Absolutely, how are the lasses. Uh right then that's it, chaps. Thank you very much for your time. Get in touch with us at Pod on the Time on Twitter. Or X. Uh, email us at podonthetine at the athletic.com. Right, that's it. Anything nice planned for the rest of the
0: day, Chris? Uh no, not really. No, not at good. all.
1: Good. Right, no. thanks for that. George, anything <laughs> nice? <laughs> Um no well I'm going to be writing about Kieran Trippier and I'm going to this will be a follow up to my I love Kieran Trippier piece which I did just before the World Cup uh World Cup finals and I'll be writing about why I think he's still incredibly important and why it was right that Newcastle should have rebuffed offers uh for him. Is that a, is that a nice thing? To, yeah, I think that's I think that's yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be writing lovely things about my favorite right back.
2: Lovely. Well I'm going to walk the dog and then I'm going to cook a chili con carne. How about that? Sounds nice, doesn't it?
0: When you, when you mention cooking now that I think about it I am actually going to cook a haggis because I am obviously very Scottish and it is Burns Night so. Is it? It is Burns Night tonight, I believe.
1: Yeah, I've been I've been thinking about bash naps for a while but I think that's because I'm wearing quite tight trousers. <laughs>
0: I also just want to say it's been weird going through a podcast where George hasn't just repeated everything that I've just said. So It's time to
1: move on, Chris. It's time to move on from that. I like to um, I like to shake things up every now and again. You've got to do different <laughs> approaches to podcasts. That was very much the Monday um, podcast technique. I was hoping nobody would notice, but, uh, but, yeah, that's fine. Right, that's it then.
2: Thank you very much for your time, chaps. Thanks, George.
1: See you later. Thanks, Chris.
2: You're very welcome. Thank you very much to producer Ollie as well for keeping this shit show on the rails. Uh, We'll be back very soon. Take care. Enjoy your week.
0: From the Bayern Munich end is very much that they have given up on Kieran Trippier now I mean as we mentioned on the podcast the other day and as we wrote over the weekend on the Athletic Newcastle were adamant that uh, no way would Miguel Almrond uh, sorry I said Miguel Almron. I'm going to have to stop there I'll come back. I am very that t- was
1: wishful but, like, thinking, thinking wasn't it Chris <laughs> <laughs> you've been desperate yeah, to get that on. lad out of the club for years since he joined you've been desperate to get him out of the club you can't help yourself Poor Miggy, poor lovely, yeah, smiling, cheers. hard running, goal scoring <laughs> Miggy. What a disgrace you are! Absolute
0: disgrace. I mean that does that doesn't even make sense because I'm talking about Newcastle categorically not
2: selling someone. What, what a the <laughs> transfer for that poor lad. He's done
0: nothing to you. Right, I'll start that again. Yes. Yeah, so as we wrote over the weekend, and as we said on the podcast the other day,
1: the Athletic.